Hey, everyone. Look, nine weeks into the season, you might not be having the best fantasy season like me in one of my leagues. I'm two wins and the season looks like it like it's over. But if you guys follow us on Twitter at FF Daydreamers or over on Instagram at Fantasy Daydreamers, we're going to be posting a link later on this week where you guys can come play DFS daily fantasy sports with us for free. It's it's a great it's a great way to connect and keep playing the fantasy season even if you're not going to win in your league. So come play with us this week. Again, it's for free. What's up? It's your boy, Big Gain, your host, JJ, and this is the Fantasy Daydreamers Podcast. With me today, I got one of our writers, Keone, back again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, creatures of all ages and sizes. It's great to be here, and it's always a pleasure. And you can follow me at DaydreamerKeone on Twitter, and uh, looking forward to this podcast. A special guest with us here today. We got another one of our writers, Jack Nasty, Aaron. What up, y'all? You can follow me at AJC underscore Daydreamers on Twitter. And be sure to check us out. We're writing every week, a couple articles each time. So make sure you're reading them. And always on the keys, producer Ian. What up, producer Ian? Today, we're going to have... <laughs> some waiver wire ads and drops for you and we're going to go over what we saw in week nine so let's get into it so this week for the ads and for the drops we're i'm just going to give you guys some names and you tell me uh first the list the first list is going to be drops you're going to tell me whether you would drop this player or hold on to him so let's just get right into it devin singletary running back for the buffalo bills he's 85.9 percent owned you guys holding on to him? Or are you ready to cut ties? If it's me, I'm still holding on to him. I know the numbers have not looked great over the last couple of weeks, but it's still a 50-50 timeshare in that backfield. So you're you're not hoping for an injury, but that's the only way you're going to get any use out of Devin Singletary that you feel comfortable with. For me, I think I'm going to get rid of him. Um, those couple of weeks, to me, um, there's too many of them in a row to be for me to keep with him. And uh, I don't even know if you might be able to trade him. So, you, I mean, maybe as part of a package, but yeah. otherwise I'm, I'm dropping him. Yeah, I'm moving towards dropping him as well. I don't know if I'm quite there yet just because he is still getting the work. In week eight, he was running back 24. Or so, I mean, that's he's getting he's getting work. So I don't know if you can cut him quite yet, but it's getting really close. Next up, are you guys gonna cut? We're gonna keep Justin Jackson, running back for the Chargers. He played one snap this week, and he went down with an injury, so that really hurt his game. He's 80.9% owned. Keone, 
You're going to cut or you're going to keep him? I think um, I'm going to keep him. Aaron and I were talking about this earlier. And even though um, Balaj did really well, that was because I think Jackson went out pretty early. But when Jackson's been in there, he's shown that he's been able to do pretty good things. And I would say keep him until Eckler comes back. Because once Eckler comes back, then pretty much I think everything changes. But I would say keep him until then. So how do you feel about Josh Kelly then? I think last week I pretty much – I sort of gave up on Josh Kelly. Yeah, I mean – So it, that's still the case. It still remains to be seen what happens when Eckler comes back because, you know, Justin Jackson was a healthy scratch basically those first three games with Eckler there. It was Kelly and Eckler were splitting time. Um, I don't know if it's going to go back to that if Eckler comes back because I don't think we're going to see – him getting as many snaps and as many carries as he did before the injury, just, you know, to work him back in. But when Eckler comes back, it becomes one of those backfields, like, you know, the majority of the backfields nowadays where it's good luck trying to figure out how much each guy plays. Like it becomes like Baltimore where you could have effectively three people all not be useful. Yeah. Not none of them fantasy relevant because they're all NFL relevant. Exactly. Yeah. His next three games are uh, Miami, the New York Jets, and then Buffalo. So Miami scares me a little. Their defense has been looking really good, but then he plays the Jets. So, we'll, yeah, we'll see whenever Eckler comes back. He's slowly working his way back. So hold on to Justin Jackson for now. Next, Le'Veon Bell, running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm just going to come out and say this one. He's 87.3% owned. You guys can drop him. He hasn't done anything on this Chiefs team yet, and – we thought he was going to maybe be the third down back, the receiving back, the goal line back, and he's not any of those. He's he's essentially LaShawn McCoy's job last year where, you know, he's going to come in and he's going to get snaps, but he's not going to get touches. How do you guys feel about Le'Veon Bell? I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you just said. He's – He's not worth being rostered. If you have him, you are holding on to him in hopes that he carved out a role, but there's no role to be had. And even if it, he did have one, the Kansas City backfield is not producing enough in general to be worth it. Yeah, he's he's sort of like that actor who's in a movie that's part of an ensemble who has you know a good scene, but he's pretty much there for that best picture, that best picture win. He's hoping to be there and get a ring at the end of the season. But otherwise, he's not really fantasy relevant right now. All right, let's move on to some wide receivers. First up, Cole Beasley. Is he a drop candidate? 55.2% owned. Keone, Mr. Consistency. You holding on to him? John Brown came back, and he really took that number two wide receiver role back. Cole Beasley looking like a third option on this team is is he worth so, the stash? So Josh Allen, I'm gonna let you finish, but Cole Beasley has one of has had one of the most reliable seasons. So he's had two bad games, and I know Josh Allen really balled out this past week and showed like he's capable. Like he was lost there a little bit, then he's like, all right, I'm back. 
and unfortunately Cole Beasley wasn't a part of that as much with um, only three catches for 39 yards, but I still have hope for him. I'm not ready to pull that drop trigger yet. But are you, are you holding on to the hope just because you love him so much or is it because he is so fantasy relevant? Um, I think a little bit of both. Okay. I, I really, I really like him. He's, he's sort of like, I, I've, become, I've become attached to him this season, but I also think he is really capable of doing well. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's part of fantasy. You get to pick the players that you love and keep them rostered. I love it. Also, on a side note, he unfortunately lost the title of Mr. Consistent the, the <laughs> to TJ Hawkinson. Okay, officially. Everyone, yes. at, everyone at home taking, taking notes. He officially lost it. But you know what? Being second Mr. Consistency is uh, not as bad. You know, there's still hope. There's still hope there. Let's go on to another guy, Darius Slayton, wide receiver for the New York Giants, 66.8% owned. Sterling Shepard came back, and Sterling Shepard seems to be the target, uh, leads target guy, uh, getting eight in the last few weeks. Wow, that sounded dumb. <laughs> but <laughs> but Slayton has kind of fallen off. He was he was the big play guy last season. He was it earlier this season. Is that all he is now? I mean, I would agree that he's the big play guy. The only problem is that this year there are no big plays for the Giants offense. So you're you're really hoping that he catches that one pass, but they just haven't been there. Like it looks like Daniel Jones has taken a step back. He or at least just isn't progressing. And it's a direct correlation to Slayton's fancy production. And like you said, Sterling Shepard came back. He's the number one guy. And I don't think that there's room in this offense for two, even three fantasy targets, especially with Evan Ingram looking to get his share too. So, Yeah, Golden Tate missed this week as well. He he met back with the team. It looks like he'll be a go this week. Their next four weeks, they play Philadelphia. I don't know if I trust Slayton in that matchup. Philadelphia is not the greatest secondary, but I think they can stop the big play. Then they have a bye. It's hard to hold on to them through that. But then they play Cincinnati and Seattle, which are two terrible pass defenses. So if you're holding on to them, I think you're just holding on to them to play those two weeks, Cincinnati and Seattle. All right. Robert Tonian, tied in for the Green Bay Packers. He's 56.8% owned. You guys holding on to him or you guys dropping him? So, first off, I believe his name is pronounced Tunyon. Tunyon, like an onion, okay. okay. Like, like an onion, and much like an onion, I believe Robert Tunyon has layers. And when you pull back those layers, it reveals a player that I would like to drop. So, <laughs> all that, that, that Shrek reference, all the way just to say you're going to drop him? Come on now. I yeah, did okay. not see it coming. Okay, here's, here's my reasoning. Um, he's, he has a pretty good ceiling, and Aaron Rodgers throws, a, throws, throws the ball around. Um, but there's the thing. Aaron Rodgers throws the ball around, and Alan Lazard is probably going to come back soon-ish. So that's going to be his clear number two receiver. 
And also, every time I see a touchdown and there's like a player with a number eight, I'm like, yeah, Robert Tunyon. It's like, nope, it's another tight end. So there, that's happened too many times for me to get my hopes up. And in this past game, he only had one catch for five yards. So I think there's just so many options for Aaron Rodgers to throw to that he's sort of, he had those couple of weeks where he was really, really popular. And then now he's, he hasn't scored since week four as well. So it's, yes. I think it's time. So after week four, the week after he scored, so weeks five on, he's been right. in the top 12 tight ends one time, which was last week, which was, he was tight end five. So if he's not going to be in the top 12 tight ends, he's definitely not worth holding on to. He's more of a streaming option. Yeah, and if with all tight ends this year, it's basically, all right, are they going to score? And if not, then they're not someone that you're interested in having. So that's what you're doing. You're playing the roulette wheel and hoping that your tight end gets in the end zone. And the only point I would say to not of not dropping him is that he's playing for you know, playing with Aaron Rodgers and a really good offense. So the opportunities will be there to get in the end zone. It's more of just, do they actually go to him? Or like Keone had said, are they going to be spread out? And that's basically all you're hoping for with tight ends. So, All right, that'll do it for the drops. Let's move on to some ads. So these are, you're going to add these guys or are you just staying away from them? Let me know. So the first few guys, I want you guys to just put them in order. They're all going to be quarterbacks. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Matt Ryan will both be on bye this week. So which one of these guys would you want to pick up in order? Tua Tagovailoa, Jared Goff, Nick Foles. I would go Tua first, then Nick Foles, and then Jared Goff. And here's why. Um, For me, it was a little bit of a toss-up between Nick Foles and Jared Goff, but both Tua and um, Foles have really good like stretches of really good matchups um, where Tua's comes these next four games facing the Chargers, the Denver Broncos, the Jets, and Cincinnati. So those are all pretty good matchups for him. Um, and Ga- uh, I'm sorry, uh, Foles, um, his next three, or he has the best schedule of the three, like overall. Um, throughout the rest of the season because he faces Minnesota twice. Um, he faces Detroit at one point, Houston, and um, Jacksonville in your fantasy football championship. Um, and Jared Goff, he, like I said before, he's a solid QB two, but um, he, like, he's mostly for your championship in fantasy. Other than that, his matchups aren't as good as the other two, I don't think. So let me let me say, let's just pretend that you have Patrick Mahomes. You don't have a second quarterback on your team. So you just need someone for this week. Tua plays uh, at home against the Chargers. Jared Goff plays at home against Seattle. And then Nick Foles plays Monday night at home against the Vikings. Does that change your order in any way? Um, maybe for a one-game thing because, because- – Jared, Jared Goff, Goff Seattle yeah. is huge, is, I think. Is big, yeah. Especially since he has the weapons to do well. Aaron, where do you weigh in? So if it was just for this week, I would be looking at Jared Goff as my streamer. I mean, that Seattle matchup's too enticing. Um, 
if it was season long, I would probably go Tua, then Goff, and then Nick Foles would be the last one because I think if there's a healthy Mitch Trubisky, that Nick Foles might not be a starter come week 12. Like we could be looking at a flip-flop situation where Nick Foles could just end up being benched. So it makes me nervous if I was going to go with him for uh, season long. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Season long, I go to a Jared Goff and Nick Foles. And then for this week, Jared Goff playing Seattle, I just can't stay away from that. So if you're going to stream someone, I think we go Jared Goff this week. All right, let's go over some running backs now. These guys are all kind of depending on the guy in front of them, if they get injured or not. Kalen Balage running back for the Chargers, Duke Johnson, running back for the Houston Texans, Wayne Gallman, running back for the Giants. All three of those guys have someone in front of them, Justin Jackson, uh, David Johnson, and Devontae Freeman. All might play, might not play. So which one of these three guys are you adding? Are you just sticking to these guys are handcuffs? So if I was going to go and put them in order, kind of like what we did with the quarterbacks there, I would probably go Duke Johnson, then Wayne Gallman, and then Kalen Blosh. I am a Chargers fan. I did not know until the first snap of Kalen Blosh <laughs> that he was on the team. I saw so You guys had Adam Gase on your coach. I staff. saw the name, and I was like, did that say Blosh? And then I was like, that can't be Kalen Blosh, can it? And then they're like, recently signed from the practice squad Kalen Balaj and I was like there's no way that's okay like that's when I found out so he's in there because he looked pretty good he looked decent he did and you know I think that might have something to do with the Raiders kind of respecting Justin Herbert as quarterback for that game because there were Mm -hmm. some pretty decent holes for him to run through but Balaj to me he's behind Justin Jackson he's behind Joshua Kelly and he's behind uh, Tremaine Pope, who was out with a concussion this week. So, like, that is the true crowded backfield. Duke Johnson, to me, is the guy, um, like, if David Johnson is out. Like, it's pretty clear for that. Because the same thing with Wayne Gallman. There's a couple guys in that backfield, even if it's not Freeman coming back. So, I would feel most confident with Duke Johnson. Plus, he has a role, even if David Johnson is on the field. I would That's agree a good with insight that. right there. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um I I I'm a little high on Wayne Gallman. Um but I think Aaron has really good points about Duke Johnson where he's pretty much the main option whether besides David Johnson and if David Johnson's out because concussions can be pretty tense like tentative with when they're going to come back. Um but Wayne Gallman's had three good weeks. And I know he's gotten a touchdown in each of those, so it's a, he's a little touchdown dependent. But his next three matchups um, are Philadelphia, Cincinnati, and Seattle. So that's pretty good if Freeman doesn't play. And I think, for me, Gallman's playing well enough to where I don't even know if I would necessarily put him behind Devontae Freeman. But, again, I'm not a coach in the NFL. <laughs> so that's just me looking at that. But I, I figured they're not. That's not going to be the case since they brought in Devonte Freeman. But for the most part, I agree with Aaron. Well, I mean, and to your point yeah. there, uh, the last three weeks, Gallman has been running back 14, 16, and six. Now, those point totals are 
14, 12, and 14. So it's not like he's just blowing everything out of the water, but that's the state of the running back position this year. Like if you get 10 points out of a guy, you're pretty happy with what's going on. So. Yeah. I think what the tiebreaker is, like you said, Aaron is the, the amount of touches, the amount of snaps that each person is going to get with Duke, with David Johnson out, Duke Johnson will be the number one back in that backfield. Wayne Gallman will probably be the number one back in that backfield as well, but it's much more of a time split there. Duke Johnson saw 89% of the running back attempts with after uh, David Johnson went out. Gallman only saw 52%. So I'll take the the touches. All right, let's go over some wide receivers here. Richie James, wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. He's 0.1% owned. He finished wide receiver one on the week in half-point PPR leagues. But the 49ers didn't have any wide receivers out there to, besides him to go to. So was this just everyone was out, so he just took over? Or is he actually an NFL thing making him a fantasy thing? I think it leans more towards the only option. Like when you look at it, you had Debo out with an injury. You had Brandon Ayuk and was it uh, Kendrick Bourne, I believe. Yeah. Both on the COVID IR list. All three of them. All three of them were on the COVID IR list. And Debo was injured. Yeah. So it really was like last man standing. And don't get me wrong. uh, Like fantasy value is based on touches and available touches. And, you know, that week it was Richie James. But this week we could see both of those guys um, reinstated off the COVID IR um, list. Kendrick, Kendrick Bourne's already back on the co- – or is still on the COVID IR. But I think Brandon and Ayuk will be back and Debo will be back off the list. It just depends if his injury – if he'll be good to go. Yeah, and so if you're looking at that, I think Brandon Ayuk would slide in and become that number one. So worst-case scenario, Richie James comes to number two. So I think it's more of just kind of a flash in the pan. It was that one week uh, star, I would say. Yeah, I agree with that. Let's move on. Next, Zach Pascal, wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. He's 2.1% owned. We know T.Y. Hilton. We don't want him. Is Zach Pascal someone you want? Or are you just trying to stay away from these wide receivers? For me, I think I have to follow my Thursday night rule. And even though I think he'll be the number one potentially in that game, I don't consider him a number one like at the wide receiver position because he was a number two and he's only been thrust in there because uh, Hilton might be out. So because it's a Thursday night game, I'm just going to stay away from him personally. And for me, the guy actually I'm more interested in on the Colts would be Michael Pittman Jr. Michael, yeah, like, Michael Pittman. I know he's a rookie and he's missed some time uh, earlier in the season with injuries and was kind of getting adjusted to the offense, but he looked good out there. He got the same amount of target share as Pascal. I believe it was both five targets or six targets. No, no, he got more. Was it? Okay. He had uh, seven and Pascal had six. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, pretty similar numbers, but like just watching that game, it looked like in key situations, Philip Rivers was looking for Pittman. Like he was lined up outside and was kind of all over the place. But I don't think either one of them are really anybody you're looking to pick up and start right away. It's more of a 
add and stash kind of situation. And so you're you're saying to add and stash Pittman over Pascal. If I had the choice, that's what I would be doing. Yeah. All right. I think I agree with that. All right. Monday night, Jacoby Myers, wide receiver for the New England Patriots, five point six percent owned. And this man went off. Let's see. He finished as wide receiver six, fourteen targets, caught twelve. Passes 169 yards. He didn't get in the end zone. Imagine if he did. Wow. Is he someone – I mean, this is two weeks in a row or three weeks in a row where he's had – two weeks in a row where he's had a pretty decent game. And so is he someone that you're looking to add? He's somebody that I would think about adding, mostly just because we don't know what's going on with the Edelman injury. If Edelman ends up having to have knee surgery – then I think Myers becomes the clear number one and take that for what you will. Cause it's not a great offense, but he slides in as the number one wide receiver on a team. That's going to have to throw the ball. Cause they're not going to be ahead in most games. So he's going to get the touches. He's going to see targets and he's looked good the last two weeks. And I don't see any reason why it wouldn't keep up with that value. Does it scare you that he's going against Baltimore next? Or is he still just a reliable guy, regardless of the defense? I mean, it's it scares me just because I think anybody against Baltimore is not a great matchup, obviously. But like they're going to have to throw to someone. Like I don't see any way that they're leading in that game. So I think it's going to be less about the ground game and more about who's seeing the targets. And you worry about whether or not they're productive at the end of the game. Like we've had weeks um, or games this year where like Braxton Berrios was like eight for thirty-four. And, you know, in half-point PPR, that's, you know, 10 points. And in full PPR, that's like 12 or 13 points. So you take it however you can. Um, it's not going to be pretty sometimes, but if you're going to see targets, then you might as well try to get them. Yeah, I think he's definitely worth the add this week. Next up, MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. This is going to be another guy that depends on Alan Lazard, but is he worth adding – even without Alan Lazard there, caught two passes, scored on both of them. Huge night for him on Thursday night. Keone, like that special. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, literally. Is he someone that you're looking to add, or does it matter about what Alan Lazard does if he comes back or not? Um, I think we mentioned it earlier in the year um, that Valdez Scantling sort of has a tendency to drop passes. Drop although ski. he didn't necessarily drop his touchdowns, which are nice. And he was sort of really touchdown dependent in this game because that's where all his points come from, basically. But I think once Lazard, like Lazard is a reliable um, wide receiver and Aaron Rodgers love the, loves those receivers that he can know can catch the ball. Yeah. Um, he can trust. Yeah. And, I mean, there are some, like, Green Bay has some pretty good matchups, so you never know. This one's a little bit difficult because, like, it's a really nice game, but throughout the season, I haven't necessarily been able to trust him. Who are they playing this week? Jacksonville. Jacksonville, yeah, that's a, that's a sweet matchup. I'm staying away from MVS. Like you said, it's the drops. I just can't trust it, and 
so he might go off. I mean, he was wide receiver 11 in week one and then wide receiver 12 in week nine, which was great weeks. But besides that, he hasn't been above wide receiver 52. So his drops are too much to overcome for me. I, I don't want him on my team. I'm staying away. Aaron? I mean, I agree. Um, you, he's too inconsistent to be somebody that I'm looking to add, and especially with Alan Lazard, you know, looking to come back from injury. If it was you knew that Lazard was out for multiple weeks after this, then he might be somebody I'm considering. But without that certainty of knowing when Lazard's coming back and just the overall inconsistent play of MVS, he's just not somebody that I'm looking to add. All right, last wide receiver on the ad list today, and Ryan's making me do it. Jalen Rager, wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, coming off the bye. He's 14.4% owned. Before the bye, he looked good. Well, he scored a touchdown, so that that helped him. Uh, do you guys want to add him? He, he could come in and take this number one or take off work from Fulgham and really help Fulgham out and kind of split that up. And it could actually benefit both of them and Carson Wentz and it could benefit the whole offense, but is it going to happen? Are you guys looking to add Jalen Rager? In short, no, Uh, this offense is not good enough to support multiple players. So, like, I, you take your chances with Fulgham, who's been fantastic since uh, playing. But the only other players I'm looking for on that Eagles offense are Dallas Goddard and, like, maybe Carson Wentz. Like, I know he's getting it done in garbage time, but it's just not a risk I'm uh, willing to take. Kieran, I need you to say something for Ryan. Um, I you think he's... Zach or no? Uh, you know, I got, I got my boy. He's, I think he's trending up and um, because he's coming off a finger injury that I think has um, sidelined him for a little bit, but after the bye, um, I'm hoping he has a chance to become one of the main wide receivers for Carson Wentz. And I'm pretty sure they have a decent lineup the rest of the season. They play the giants, the Browns, the Seahawks, the Packers in the next four weeks. So, so before that Packers game, yeah, it's it's pretty good. I say he's trending up. So. Yeah, yeah, I like I like it. He saw twenty one percent of the target share. He played on seventy three percent of the staff of the snaps. So he is definitely trending up. I'll agree with that. Let's move on to some tight ends. Ur Smith Jr. caught two touchdowns tight end from minnesota he's 3.9 percent owned is this his come out game his blow up game or is this just he got lucky and he got in the end zone twice and you're not looking to add him i'm i think he got lucky i think he um had a week where it's like one of those tight end weeks where it's like oh they're the guy that gets thrown to or the guy that gets in the end zone but you'd never really hear from them otherwise or they might catch a few passes per game but I think it's just a, a little bit of an anomaly because he only had 10 yards. So yeah. two receptions, 10 yards, two touchdowns. 
Yeah, I mean, I would agree that it's a you know bit of an outlier, obviously, because you don't expect two tight two touchdowns every game. But looking at his last three weeks, uh, his snap percentage has gone up every week. He's been over sixty five, I believe it is snap percentage. Those last three, they're looking to get him more involved in the offense. And you know, obviously, Dalvin Cook is option one, two, and three, but it's still a good enough offense, I believe, to. Uh, possibly sustain a fantasy relevant tight end. I'm going to make a bold prediction. Look for him to be big next year. Like that's where, that's where I'd say, if anything, like he'll have a breakout year next year. All right. If he doesn't this year, breakout year next year. All right. So week nine recap, let's go over some, players and how we feel about what happened and what that means going forward so first up kyler murray he finished qb1 on the week rushed for over 100 yards scored four touchdowns he's the real deal and he looks like lamar jackson from last year yeah i mean we are looking at a potential third straight year with a second year quarterback taking home the mvp like He's getting it done on the ground, and he's not as efficient as Lamar was passing last year, but he's he looks like a better passer than Lamar does. So yeah. it's scary, and I think there's a real conversation about him being the QB1 for the rest of the year, even with the production Mahomes and Wilson have been putting up. They play Buffalo, which is a little bit scary. That defense is, can be good at times, but they can also drop some a lot. Um, then they play Seattle, then the New England, then the Rams. So those next four games are great for Kyler. I mean, this guy is a set it and forget it the rest of the season. He is the Ron Popeil MVP, if anything. Um, that's the that's the guy, anyways, who did set it and forget it. Whatever. Um. <laughs> Ignore the radio silence on our ends. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just way no over clue. our head. That's all right. So, yeah, no. That's all right. I... So Kyler hasn't Kyler hasn't finished lower than QB eleven so far this season. This guy's like Aaron said, potentially could be QB one the rest of the season. Let's move on to a guy who's not a set it and forget it. Drew Locke, Denver Broncos quarterback. He's finished in the top ten the last two weeks. 360 total yards and three total touchdowns in week nine. All the touchdowns coming in the fourth quarter. A lot of the yards coming in the fourth quarter. His next four weeks are Las Vegas, Miami, New Orleans Saints, and then the Kansas City Chiefs. Is Drew Locke someone you could count on as a streaming option through those next few weeks or no? He is not anybody I would count on. He is somebody that if I am putting him in my lineup, I am setting my lineup. I am not watching the game. I am not getting any notifications <laughs> about the game. I am only checking once it is an hour past game time so I know it is done and I can just get it real quick, know whether or not it was worth I will it. Do my, <laughs> I would be doing my shopping for the week during that game. Or not, not even just that. Just I will ignore any updates I get. I will not be watching. I hope that I get another game on the channel. Like... I'm just not paying attention because yeah. I don't want to know. Yeah, Scary. it's just it, he's too unpredictable. That team is too unpredictable. Like 
the Atlanta matchup we thought was good, which, you know, it ended up being, but it was not good for the reasons we thought. Garbage Yeah, time. it was garbage time. Both of the yeah. last two weeks, even though they beat the Chargers two weeks ago. But, you know, garbage time is all the same as long as the production's there. So, yeah. So does this, can you, do you feel like you can start Jerry Judy or Tim Patrick, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, anyone on the Broncos, or are you staying away from all of them? I don't know if I'm staying away from all of them. Like, I think Jerry Judy is talented enough. Like, he's he's like a Terry McLaurin situation. You're not happy with the quarterback and the production out of the quarterback, but someone's going to have to get the targets. And I think Judy is good enough. And if Patrick is healthy, he's also good enough. The guy that would be more interesting to me is Noah Fant, just because uh, their other tight end, Albert O. I'm not even going to try to mess up that name. Yeah. Uh, they believe he tore his ACL. They're waiting on MRI results, but the first indications were that it's a torn ACL. So it lowers the um, clog in that tight end room. And so yeah. it becomes now three guys basically on offense that are catching passes uh, with Lindsay and Gordon kind of splitting up that duty. The backfield. I would like to apologize to, uh, to Jerry Judy, to Judge Judy. I was a little bit disrespectful last week. And uh, yeah, I said he was going to finish the highest, and I think and he did. You were right. No, yeah, yeah, because Brandon Cooks, I don't think, got over 100 yards. Um, and Sterling Shepard didn't get close. Um, so, and Jerry Judy's the only one who got over 100 yards, and he had a touchdown. So, I, I would like to apologize to the judge. So, I'm just going to say that's all I have to say about the Broncos. Yeah, I think Jerry Judy is that perfect guy. If you're sitting with two losses and you're doing great i think you package jerry judy for a uh, number w- one wide receiver and just secure that option right now because if you're headed to the playoffs already you don't need the depth so much you need those for sure starters so packaging jerry judy with another second third running back i think would be a great option right now third quarterback we're going to talk about today tom brady we were all hoping for that shootout between him and Drew Brees Sunday night, and we didn't get it. That was one of the most boring Sunday night games I have ever watched. He finished with three interceptions and 2.4 fantasy points, and it didn't look good. Are you guys familiar? Okay, you guys know the first scene in, in RoboCop, right? Where uh, Peter Weller goes in to and um, goes into the compound or whatever, and then gets trapped and red foreman and his goons <laughs> basically blast him to pieces. That's what happened to Tom Brady in this game. Uh-huh. Like it unparalleled and unprecedented. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. He had no help from the running game whatsoever. They had a, uh, NFL low of five rush attempts and one of them was a kneel down at the end of the game so really they only had four rush attempts the entire game that's a huge reason why Brady couldn't do anything because the Saints knew what was coming all night long so do you think that the lack of the run game was more because of game script or more because they couldn't get anything done because like for example, like the Buffalo game, they ran, I want to say it was like 11 or 12 times, but they put up 44 points. So obviously, like, you know, it's different situations and different teams, but 
do you think the lack of run game and lack of run game efficiency was because they were behind so much early or do you think it was just they weren't going to be efficient and they just abandoned it i think they abandoned it too soon is is my thing i don't know bruce arians just gets whatever whatever he wants to do he's going to do so if he does not want to run the ball he's not going to run the ball but that's not always the smartest thing for football in my opinion and obviously that makes it not the smartest thing for fantasy but this man just does what he wants i don't i don't know <laughs> i can't explain it but i think you, you even if you can't run the ball like you have to at least attempt to two yard, you have yeah you have to try because if not we see what happens and tom brady had so many weapons he had antonio brown for the first week he had chris godwin for the first time in forever i mean you you was there is it too many options there or i have no clue but tom brady really surprised me yeah i think it's them not necessarily changing their game script and so people figure it out and if you have a good coaching staff like sean payton does you're gonna figure out a not good coaching staff who doesn't change things (laughs) and i think cup like going back to when he was with the patriots they pretty much change their game plan every week but if you don't do that tom like Tom Brady can only do so much. And this game was really the culmination of that. And I think yeah. both like the, the Bucks and the Saints switched, basically ref, like flipped each other in terms of winning percentage for their division this past week. Um, yeah, yeah. This is crazy. So the next three weeks he plays – Carolina Panthers, then the Los Angeles Rams, Kansas City Chiefs, and then they have a bye after that. Brady has finished in the top 10 five times and finished outside the top 15 four times. So he's really that ultimate streaming quarterback right now. But can you trust him through those three weeks? Do you guys think you can trust him through the three weeks? It honestly depends on the other matchups. Like, you know, I'm not – I'm not looking at the next three weeks of schedules, so I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly what matchups I would like more, but I think you just have to look at who you have as your backup. Like, obviously, if you have, like, if you were somebody that was able to pick up a Justin Herbert and you have, you're deciding between those two every week, like, it, you know, I would probably lean Herbert. If it's someone that you took Lamar early and you got Brady as your, your backup, then, you know, maybe lean Brady. But, I think it just depends on what your other options are. Like you'd feel confident that he's going to, you know, be involved, like they're going to be involved and they're trying to get the ball to Brown and Evans and Godwin. But I think it just depends on it. He's matchup dependent is what it is right now. Yeah. And I don't like these next few matchups is my thing. Yeah. Scary. Anything else on Tom Brady? Um, going back to yeah, my let's... analogy from earlier, I don't think he's going to have the same comeback as RoboCop did in that movie. <laughs> yeah, no. Not going to finish the same? No. All right. Uh, Producer Ian's asking Jared Goff or Tom Brady this week. Eileen Jared Goff, that one. It. Against yeah, Seattle. You give me anybody against Seattle and it'd be I'd be hard yeah. pressed to not take it. I'm talking maybe the rest of the NFC East 
and the Jets. And outside of that, like I'm probably taking the who yeah. going up against Seattle. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the running backs this week. First up, Christian McCaffrey. He finally came back, you guys. We got him. Christian McCaffrey carried the ball 18 times, got 10 targets, caught all 10 of them, looked amazing, and then on the last drive, he injured his shoulder. And he's said to be day-to-day right now. It's going to be a wait-and-see thing. We'll learn more as the as this week goes on, but he looked really good. So it was really promising if you held on to him for this long. Why can't we have nice things? That's all I got to ask. We lose Saquon. We lose George Kittle. We can't do this another week. Christian McCaffrey has played three games and he is wide receiver, or sorry, he's a running back, 25 on the year in total points. Three games. He is running back 25. This is ridiculous. This man is phenomenal at what he does, and we can't have nice things in 2020, and I'm kind of over it. (laughs) We told you, James. We told you just hold on to him because this man is going to produce whenever he's on the field. There's no doubt about it. It, It's it's just a really bittersweet situation because it's like, yay, he's back, and he just went off um, going running back two on the week. And – his next few matchups are really, really good against uh, Tampa Bay, whose defense was not there against New Orleans, and then Detroit and Minnesota. But if he can't play, then it's just like it just it's it's really bittersweet. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, if, if CMC is there, then you start CMC. But. We'll let you guys know as the week progresses what, what's going to happen with him. Mike Davis, is he someone that if CMC is back, he's just a handcuff at this point? I think so. Yeah. Because I, I feel Curtis Samuel filled more of that Mike Davis role than anything else because Curtis Samuel yeah, the last few weeks. did well um, even in this game. Like I think like – in. Uh, Mike Davis blocked for Curtis Samuel on a touchdown, I believe, or on a really good run. So I think Mike Davis has sort of been replaced. He's been market corrected. All right. Uh, Let's move on. Next running back, we have Melvin Gordon. We talked about him with Drew Locke. We talked about him a little bit earlier. They were playing from behind, which makes sense why Philip Lindsay didn't have as big of a role because – Melvin Gordon is supposed to be their passing down running back, but Gordon really, really underperformed. He should have had a way bigger day than he did, but I guess he's just not the running back two that we really thought he was. Since week five, he's finished in the top 30 one time, and that was week seven. He finished 20th. So Gordon's starting to become a scary running back. Yeah, I mean, we we knew this was going to be a timeshare, and we thought that maybe Lindsey was going to be more of the passing down back, and Gordon has filled that role, but it seems that whenever they get behind, they're not looking to him. They're looking more on the outside and more towards the tight ends, Um, and I think Gordon needs more rush attempts to kind of establish the passing game because otherwise your play actions don't work, and 
I just don't know if this offense is good enough as a whole to kind of sustain two uh, fantasy relevant running backs. And so that's my worry with Gordon. And his matchups for the next few weeks are not very good. Las Vegas is maybe his best matchup, but then they go against Miami and maybe New Orleans, but still they're, they're playing well. And then Kansas City. I don't like any of those really. Yeah, me neither. So. Yep. So you guys are trying to move away from Melvin Gordon? Yeah, yeah. We talked about it a little bit earlier. So let's move on to DeAndre Swift, Detroit running back. It looks like it's starting to become DeAndre Swift's backfield. Keone, what do you think about DeAndre Swift's week this week? Uh, this week? I think he had a good week. And um, coming off um, a week where we didn't expect him to do very well against Indy, um, he didn't. But then he kind of came back to form against Minnesota and got over 10 points. And yeah, I think, like we said, it's starting to become his backfield and he's sort of the guy to go to back there. So expect him to keep doing fairly well. Yeah, I agree with that. This week he got the most touches um, between all the running backs on the team and he had five targets, which was tied for the most between all the running backs. He's also finished in the top 24 three of the last four weeks. And like Keone said, we were not expecting him to do that well against the Colts. And that's the week he didn't finish in the top 24. So DeAndre Swift is becoming a definite flex player and maybe the best rookie running back in this class this season for fantasy, that is. Yeah, and you know, you said three of the last four top 20. I'll raise you one. Four of the last five, he's been top 18. So we talked about, you know, the Indy not being a good matchup. And I would say out of the next four games, he gets Washington, Carolina, Houston, Chicago, Washington and Chicago kind of scare me. But after that, you get Green Bay and Tennessee, which we know what Green Bay allowed Dalvin Cook to do last week. And I think Tennessee's a little bit more of a pushover than in years past. And, you know, we talked about this at the beginning of the season where, a lot of these rookie running backs were going to have to kind of earn their roles because of the limited uh, training camp, no preseason games. So we didn't expect them to come out right away and be the guy. But we said, you know, late in the year, these are going to be the guys that could win you leagues because they're going to be the ones getting the majority of the touches. And that's kind of what we're seeing now in Detroit. We see a little bit in Baltimore with J.K. Dobbins. Um, I think that so J.K. Dobbins even had to wait for Mark Ingram's injury. DeAndre Swift is actually taking over this backfield. Yeah, true. I think it helps that, you know, the other guys in that backfield are Adrian Peterson, who, you know, is kind of more of a veteran leader, leader at this point than he is effective running back. But, you know, still, you take it however you can get uh, running back production. Yep. And another guy that's going to take running back production wherever he can get it, Chase Edmonds. Kenyon Drake was out this week. Everyone was hoping for a great week from Chase Edmonds, and he was an RB too, right? He he was just a good NFL running back. Like, he helps the team score points and drive the ball, but he's not great for fantasy, which is what Kenyon Drake's also been doing all season long. So. Whichever running back it is for the Cardinals, it just seems like they're going to be an RB2 at best. And 
a definite starter and because you can at least flex them. Yeah, I mean, what we've seen is that um, Edmonds has had a role even when Drake was on the field. I mean, prior to Drake's injury in week seven, he had had uh, three weeks inside the top 25. So we know that the Cardinals like to use him, that he's effective when he gets touches. I think this week it was more Miami's defense um, being a little more stout than we maybe get them credit for. And that's why we see, you know, a high number of carries with not uh, as being effective. But I think the next few weeks he gets Buffalo, he gets Seattle, and then New England. So those are matchups I like and prefer more than Miami. Um, so I think he has really good value even when, or if, I should say, uh, Drake comes back healthy. I agree. Um, he's Even though he was not their top rusher this week, that went to Kyler Murray. But Kyle. Kyler Murray is a special like circumstance. Um, yeah, Chase, Met- Chase Edmonds can fill that role that um, Kenyon Drake, if he's not there, he can pretty fill it pretty well. Um, so I, I like him. I'm up on him. Um, I, in, yeah, like Aaron said, the matchup wasn't the most favorable to the running back and the running game. Um, so if he gets a more favorable matchup, I think he can do pretty well and he can catch the ball as well. So. Yep. I agree with that. Let's move on to some wide receivers that stood out to us up first. DJ Chark, Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver. He got 12 targets and he finished as the wide receiver five. Thank God he finally had a good week because I had him being a breakout this season as one of my guys and he has not came through for me. But over the last four weeks, he's fourth in targets around the NFL. He's averaging 11 targets. So it's finally coming around for DJ Chark. I feel like the injury early off in the season really hurt him, and he's just starting to come into his form now. Yeah, he's um, like a shark in the water smells blood. <laughs> he, um, he, he can get the job done, and for a little while, he, like, it's as if he disappeared. But I think he's has the chance to do like he, he should be the, the team's top receiver. And this week he showed it. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily expect this to happen again to this degree, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it happened. So with Gardner Minshew out this week, it really looked like DJ Chark was the number one wide receiver, which I think talent wise, he is the number one wide receiver on that team. But this season, Minshew has had connections with other people, whether it be Conley or Cole or whoever. I think with that backup quarterback being in there, it it really helped the backup quarterback to see DJ Chark really be the number one. And so I think DJ Chark can have that number one target share for the rest of the season, and it'll help him immensely for fantasy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like we saw last year when um, Gardner Minshew took over, he looked to DJ Chark. Like, you know, beginning of last year, it was okay. Like, you know, Minshew's going to come in for Nick Foles, who broke his collarbone. I think it was like, you know, a half into the first game. And nobody knew what to expect. But what we saw was that 
DJ Shark has the talent of a number one wide receiver. I put him kind of in that Terry McLaurin, Jerry Judy category where he's a really talented wide receiver. He's shown that he can produce, but with inconsistent quarterback play, you're just never really sure of what you're going to get. And so you're, you're banking a lot on the quarterback play, which is, you know, part of the game, but the talent overall is there. And it's somebody that if you feel confident that week that you're going to get good quarterback play, then he's somebody that's worth the risk. Yeah, I agree. Let's move on. Christian Kirk, Arizona Cardinals wide receiver. The last three weeks, Kirk has been wide receiver three, 12, and eight. He's had six touchdowns in the last five weeks, five or more receptions in three of those weeks. He has Buffalo, which is a little bit scary, like we talked about for Kyler. But then, again, Seattle, New England, then the Rams. Those are great, great matchups for Kyler, for the Cardinals passing game. And Christian Kirk has been been coming together these last few weeks. I love this player. I really, really like Christian Kirk. He started the season off not doing too well, but I think that was due to a a minor injury. And then after he got healed up from that injury, he's just been lights out. He's um, sort of taken like, I'm going to call him Captain Kirk, much like um, from Star Trek. And he's just talking to Kyler Murray. Uh, Kyler Murray, Kyler, pass me the ball. I want those (laughs) touchdowns and receptions. So, and I think he's really connecting. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely, he's he's under the radar too right now. I feel like no one's really talking about him for fantasy. People should though. Which is crazy because, yeah, we should because, yeah, six touchdowns in five weeks, that's amazing. Like, and against the Dolphins, he really stood out because DeAndre Hopkins was getting targeted, but they were just, grabbing him, holding him. They were doing whatever they could. We'll take those penalties. Xavier Howard and the Dolphins were taking those penalties. So that way, DeAndre Hopkins was not going to beat them. I believe, so I watched this game this morning, uh, doing the game pass real quick. I believe, I think, I saw four or five pass interference calls. Not a sponsor. Just on DeAndre Hopkins alone. So, you know, if you go and look at the box score and you're like, man, like, how did DeAndre only have three targets? It's like, oh, well, he would have had nine targets five of them were pass interferences and then one of them was another call against him that wasn't a pass interference i think we talked about in the offseason how kyler murray could take a next step with hopkins being in the wide receiver group i think christian kirk is benefiting a lot more than we thought because it's no longer just focus all on him like he was the best wide receiver last year but he was not good enough to be a number one like and there's no you know there's nothing wrong with that. He's a young guy still, but having Hopkins there has made it a lot easier for him to get more targets when, you know, you're not the focus of the defense. Yeah. Xavier Howard had four pass interference calls. And it was like, I've read this thing. It was like the most uh, penalized player in 20 years or something like that for four pass interference calls, something crazy, or it just hasn't been done in forever. All right, let's move on to another wide receiver, Danny Amendola, Detroit Lions. 
I don't think you're picking up Danny Amendola. I don't think you're starting him. I don't think you want him on your bench. This was just a good game for him. 10 targets, 77 yards. He finished as a wide receiver, 32. So a flex option at best. But, like, this is his breakout week, and he's 32. So, uh, I mean, there's not much much to say about him. It is the yearly Danny Amendola reference where we have to bring him up and talk about whether or not he's worth an ad. Uh, no is my answer. Just real not. quick. He hasn't finished above uh, or hasn't finished higher than wide receiver 30 on the year. Uh, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think he really benefited from Kenny Galladay not being in the game. And even though Marvin Jones got the touchdown um, and as well as TJ Hawkinson, um, he did get targets, but if Kenny Galladay is a part of the game, I think Amendola fades back into the bushes, much like Homer Simpson. So, <laughs> much like the meme. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. All right, let's let's talk about a guy that does matter for fantasy, Tyler Lockett. The last five weeks, he hasn't had more than four receptions, forty-five yards. Or he, he's only, in the last five weeks, he's only had over four receptions and over 45 yards once. And that was his big, huge blow-up blow week. So are you guys worried about Tyler Lockett going forward? Uh, I can speak as somebody that has Tyler Lockett on multiple teams. Uh, yes, I am very concerned. DK Metcalf um, looks 100% like the real deal. And you expect to see that kind of value for him uh, going forward. The thing has always been that Lockett has been more of the target guy, whereas Metcalf was more of the deep plays, kind of your, your red zone threat. But lately it's just been kind of all Metcalf and you've seen uh, Lockett get a lot fewer targets and um, they're like Seattle's still winning. So it's not anything that's hampered them offensively it's more of just i think they're looking to focus in on metcalf and kind of spread it out more amongst everybody else so yeah uh, i'm concerned about the production from locket concerned enough to go away from him or i mean he's a starter every week right yeah i mean i don't i don't or think there's he... any way you can't start him like you if you put him yeah. on your bench that's what i'm um, saying shout out james and he goes off like you're going to be kicking yourself. Like there's no reason you should be sitting him. I think you just have to temper expectations instead of him, you know, the first six weeks, I believe he was wide receiver two or three on the year. Like you have to, you have to realize that that's no longer reasonable and you are happy with, you know, wide receiver 15 or 20 going through the rest of the year. So all right, let's no, I was just going to oh, say go one for it, thing. Go for it. You, you know how we talk about a lot of players being touchdown dependent? He is reception yeah. dependent because he, he has about his games go about 50 50. When he gets a good amount of receptions, he does very well. When he doesn't get those receptions, not really. But I still would keep him on my team, like Aaron said. You don't, don't yeah, I don't think you're dropping him. I think you still have to put him in your starting lineup, even. Yes. I mean, he's going to have huge games still. I wouldn't worry too much, Aaron. All right, let's move on. Last wide receiver we're going to talk about today, Brandon Cooks. He led the team in targets, nine nine targets. Um, Houston wide receiver, there's just a lot going on there. Duke Johnson, 
great out of the backfield. David Johnson, if he's there, he's good out of the backfield. Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller. Randall Cobb's even doing stuff out there. So how do you guys feel about Brandon Cooks? I like Brandon Cooks, um, but I'm going to sort of pivot on this a little bit. I'm, I know we, we're talking about Brandon Cooks right now, but um, I'm going to talk about Will Fuller because I feel he's another okay. guy sort of like Christian Kirk who isn't talked about enough because he is the only player, I think in terms of wide receiver, he's caught six touchdowns like in six weeks. So he's had six games where he's caught a touchdown like in a row. That's just ridiculous. And he's just underrated, I think. But Brandon Cook. You said six games? So I'm sorry. I said that really poorly. He has had a, a, um, a six-game streak where he's caught a touchdown in each of those games. And he's, I think, the only okay. wide receiver to do that this year. Dang, that's crazy. Yeah. And because I have a stat, Brandon, Cook has, Brandon Cooks has scored in three of his last four games. So he's a good wide receiver, too, for that it, team. Yeah, definitely. That is, that's a great duo right there. Both of them need to be owned. Maybe you can even start both of them. Uh, they have Cleveland, New England, Detroit, and Indianapolis as their next four games. I think they're starters, flex candidates for sure in all four of those matchups. Yeah, the Indy one worries me just a little bit more than the first three. I mean, Cleveland, you're starting them. New England hasn't shown anything. And Detroit, you know, they're producing top 10 quarterbacks like it's nobody's business Detroit, you know they got yeah. cars the ones that would worry me the most would be weeks 13 through 15 where he gets um indy chicago and then indy again so it's a bit of a rough stretch you like a more flex options that week but i mean until we see something different out of sean watson who's looked great you i think you keep starting both of them and you just you know you hope obviously for good production but there's enough Uh, targets going around for both to be successful all right let's move on to some tight ends and let's let's get through these um because well tight ends don't really matter that much they're not scoring this year they're just they're just not doing much one guy that is scoring has always scored travis kelsey this is he's the best tight end in the game and there's no doubt about it without george kittle on the field he is he is the best tight end He's definitely worth the draft pick every year. I mean, I've been one of the people don't draft tight ends early. Travis Kelsey is a guy that you can draft early next year and every year until he retires. Yeah, I was almost cut you off there because I was just about to say, I am also one of these people that says, don't draft the tight ends. (laughs) Quarterbacks and tight ends, you can wait. There's plenty of them. There's not a big difference. Yes, you have Kittle and Kelsey who are clearly a tier above and you want to get them high. But they're not worth the first. No, they're worth a first and a second and a third. Like, whatever you got to pay to get them, yeah. you get them. Kelsey's been outstanding. He's, uh, I believe he's tight end one, uh, and he is 50 points ahead of the second nearest tight end. <laughs> like, you, you can't beat that. Yeah. He's giving you wide receiver production as a tight end. And, yes, he's number one. He's earned it. He's very good. Analysis. Yeah. Nothing much more to say about that. Let's move on to Evan Ingram, Giants tight end. Keone, he got 10 targets, 48 yards, and he got in the end zone. How are you feeling about Evan Ingram? Um, 
I think it was a very nice week for him. And um, like we said, like I think uh, Darius Slayton sort of suffered as, a little bit, but he, he's maybe in contention for a good like tight end like pick. Um, a weekly start. Yeah, potentially, especially since tight end is really, really thin. Um, but I think he had like the prototypical tight end week where he had 10, like you said, 10 targets for five catches, about 50 yards and a touchdown. Um, so I, I don't necessarily trust the offense that much, but the good thing about them is he does the job for you at tight end. Um, and they have a really good matchups coming up with Philadelphia. They do have a bye, but then Cincinnati and Seattle. So there's chances there for him to, to do well. So this is since week um, four or five. This is oh, since week four. This is only the second time Evan Ingram has finished in the top 12 tight ends. So he does scare me, but I think he drafted him to be a starter. And like Keone said, he has a favorable matchup coming up. So I think he's someone that you can turn to. Let's move on. Last guy we're going to talk about today, Hunter Henry, Los Angeles Chargers tight end. He finished tight end 25 this week, and he hasn't finished in the top 12 once this season. He fin- or he's only done it once this season. He finished tight end 9 in week 5. Other than that, he hasn't finished in the top 12. They have Miami, then the Jets, then the Bills, then the Patriots. Is this a guy that you're scared of? I think it's tied together with the production from Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. We're seeing them get a lot more targets. He's out on the field, but they're just not looking to him. So I think he's somebody that if you're in a pinch, you can throw out there, but he's not someone I'm confident starting. Yeah, he's saw 99% snap count this week. So he is out there. He's someone that you can play, um, but I'm just scared to. But I think you, you have to. Keone, you, you playing? Mm, not, no, I'm staying away from him. Staying away. All right. All right, that'll do it over here today at the Fantasy Daydreamers. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys have any questions, you guys can send them to us on Twitter at FFDaydreamers or on Instagram at Fantasy Daydreamers. Go like and subscribe wherever you guys get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It'll really help a lot. If you guys want to leave us a comment, a question in the comments, we'll get, answer those, those questions first. Please tell a friend. And remember, always, always stay dreaming. Thank you.